Are you ready for an open discussion with the best of the best and the best of what's next? Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Tony will have a conversation today with one of the world's great influencers as they showcase the newest, hottest, and best trends from all walks of life. Now, here's Tony D'Urso. Welcome, fellow entrepreneur, and thanks for joining in with us. Now, as entrepreneurs, we're all about starting and creating a good business that helps us take care of our family, our projects, and anything else we like. That's the premise. And it's a business that we should own, even if we get some financial help here and there. Now, that said, today we're going to talk about something maybe a little bit more unique. We're going to talk about owning your own business. I know it's almost like a little tongue-in-cheek because as an entrepreneur, you already own your own business or at least you should own it. Now let's add this to the mix. How about owning a business completely outright, and it's a business that's proven and makes money on a quick basis? Wouldn't that be great? Really? Well, I'm going to try to help you with that. We're going to discuss Own Your Business with Lance Grolick. And later on in this episode, we have an insider's brief about success and self-discovery. It's a truthful account from a blue-collar kid who learned how to succeed, be happy, and get rich at the same time. And he wrote a great book about it. You're going to love the title, Success and Self-Discovery. Stay tuned for that later in this episode. And please listen for news from our sponsor, Shopify. What I love about Shopify is, no matter how big you want to grow, they give you everything you need to take control and take your business to the next level. And they have a really cool offer for you. Please listen for more information from Shopify just ahead. And while we're at it, this is all about helping you and your friends turn your vision into reality. We want to help you get very successful at growing your business to a high sustainable level. And we're going to help turn you into an elite entrepreneur. Meet Lance Grolick. He's a business startup expert with more than 25 years of experience. He helped grow a $225 million business. And now are you ready for this? He helps entrepreneurs find their perfect business for free. Does that have your attention? Let's get into it. Hi, Lance. Welcome to the Tony D'Urso Show. Tony, I am so happy to be here and excited to talk with you and your audience today. The pleasure is all mine. We're all looking forward to learning about owning our business, owning a business, owning a profitable business. So kind of let's start here. I mentioned just a teeny little bit of information about you. How did it all start, Lance? What's your backstory? You know, I think everyone wants to know how anyone becomes an entrepreneur. Is it a lab accident gone wrong? Is it uh, something environmental or otherwise? In my case, grew up in Brooklyn, New York, and I'd like to say that growing up in my family, uh, I had sort of the trifecta of investments around me at all times. One grandpa was a real estate attorney and bought buildings, commercial, residential, and uh, had, a, had a pretty hefty clientele and uh, played real-life Monopoly, I guess you can say. My other grandfather had his own business, barely spoke English from Poland, created a supermarket empire, and then dad completed that trifecta. So we had business ownership, real estate, and the third leg of the trifecta is definitely Wall Street stocks, bonds, et cetera. And uh, dad was on Wall Street. His company was the largest over-the-counter trading house on Wall Street. 
So I got to see it all unfold. I thought I was going to work on Wall Street and make a career of that. I did that throughout high school and college. Quite honestly, Tony, I got bored. You know, I had other ambitions. I liked working with people as crazy as that sounds. Most people would rather sit on a trading desk and make trades. And, you know, that was not my focus. So I went west, joined another relative and helped him build the TGI Fridays franchise. We started with a four-store acquisition and many years later through development of new stores and also uh, buying some existing TGI Fridays uh, restaurants from other franchisees. Years later, we're at $225 million a year. This is in the late 80s, Tony. So that $225 million in today's dollars is probably closer to, who knows, $700 million or somewhere in that neighborhood. So needless to say, I loved the world of franchising. Once I got to see it unfold in front of me with TGI Fridays, take a proven system, the support, the whole nine yards. Of course, Friday's story is not exactly a great ending. Um, as leadership changed after years of success, it was really not a great success any longer. So, you know, uh, and we know that as entrepreneurs, there is a, a timetable for certain businesses, you know, adapt or die in some instances. And uh, we're always looking for that incremental income and revenue. And, uh, you know, life is about continuous improvement, right? So needless to say, my journey took me into my own franchise businesses as I you know, had an economics degree, love the world of franchising. I became a franchisee of Wingstop and Krispy Kreme Donuts in multiple states with partners. Look, I made a lot of mistakes along the way, but I did learn that everybody has an opportunity to either create their own business, which obviously is very difficult and very time consuming, or model success. Follow the path of an amazing franchise. And most of the listeners and most people in general know about restaurant franchises or retail-related franchises. I have a friend that owns 19 Great Clips hair salons. A lot of people know Great Clips because they see them in almost every shopping center in America, it seems. But there are thousands of franchise opportunities, just like stocks. It's thousands of opportunities that people do not know about, and you're not going to find doing a Google search. Because in most cases, people don't know exactly what they're looking for. And that's where I help people. So success as a franchisee of Wingstop and Krispy Kreme Donuts, I also created or co-created with a, with a partner that funded it, uh, a gourmet donut shop in Las Vegas called Pink Box Donuts. That's, a, that's an outrageous success. I started that from scratch. That was one of my success stories starting from scratch. But so I know how much time and energy goes into building a business the right way. And I love to show people that the franchise world has options that you don't even know exist. And I'm happy to show it to people, as you said, for free. And I, and I match people up with, well, I, I call it their what. What investment is somebody looking for? What role do they intend to play? Yes, you can actually be a part-time owner. Now, it's kind of fun little title, part-time owner. You're still the full-time owner but you're really participating part-time because you're going to hire a manager that the brand will train for you. And uh, I want to 
drill into some of this. You've brought up Absolutely. a lot of points. This is so interesting and fascinating. <laughs> we are entrepreneurs. We are business owners here. We own our business, or at least we like to think we own our business. It all depends on how invested we are and so forth. There's several things to go into, but the one thing that just catches my attention right away is you're helping entrepreneurs find their perfect business and you're doing it for free. Where did this vision come from? Here you are. You're very successful already with owning multiple businesses, running them well, or having others run them well. And you go, okay, well, I'm going to help entrepreneurs find their business. You know what? And I'm not going to even charge for it. So how did that happen as a business model? Well, I would like to take credit for creating that. The funny story on that, that's a great question. The funny story on that is when I was selling businesses and I still have interest in a brew pub chain in the Midwest, that's a franchise concept that I helped years ago. You know, I fell into franchise development, franchise sales, franchise brokering or consulting. Somebody 15 years ago said, hey, you've helped fix our brand on the operations side. How about helping us sell franchises? And I said, well, that doesn't seem complicated. I'm a guy from New York that loves to talk to people and loves to build relationships. How difficult can it be selling a good franchise? And I realized there was some nuances to it and found out that, wow, you do this for free, kind of like a real estate agent or broker. You work for free and you get paid a commission. So I get paid, I've negotiated commissions, depending if it's a single unit, single territory, multi-unit, multi-territory deal. So I have about 800 brands, over 800 brands today and negotiated commissions. And here's the beauty of this though, Tony, if people avoid a real estate agent, you can save money, save money on that commission. Not so with franchising, whether you use me or not, you actually, you are not paying the franchise fee. You are not paying my commission. The franchise fee is exactly the same. So I'm truly a a free resource. So I always tell people resource up and I'll help you out. It's like being a realtor in a way where you help a person find the perfect home. You do all this work. They don't pay you a penny. Exactly. I like that. I like that. So now that begs the question. This is the question, the question of questions. Why do you do it? What's, what's the purpose? What's your reason for even doing this at all, Lance? You know, I, I'm a fast mover. And although I did grow up in a family of entrepreneurs and I had no chance of being employed, my father told me when I was young, I always worked. In college, I got a job and my mother yelled at me. She found out I got a job and she said, I just looked in your checking account. You know, in the old days, we had a joint checking account. She put money in there. You know, my goal, her goal, the family goal was you're in and out of college in four years and you're working with your dad. She yelled at me for getting a job because it was all this money from these bars I was running for this, uh, the CPA. And uh, so I was very, I had, a, I had a strong work ethic. I wanted to work. So as I became my own boss and I enjoyed the heck out of it. I realized so many things that I screwed up and realized that nobody told me, even people that I asked in the early days, is there anything I need to know? How could I screw this up? What, you know, I didn't know what I didn't know. And until I went through it, until I went through that pain, partnership issues. And, you know, uh, I, I thought I had enough money, 
did a private placement, one deal with some attorneys and they never even raised enough money. I did. And we were strapped for cash initially, although the businesses were doing fantastic. So long and short of it, the answer to your question is, is rather simple. I wanted to be that resource that to people, to future business owners that I never had access to, or at least I didn't know where to find that individual. So I have a podcast. I talk all about it. I'm a free resource. I have a Facebook group. I want to help people get into business for themselves. And the truth is, there is no reason that everyone listening, and there's a lot of entrepreneurs listening and a lot of budding entrepreneurs listening, there is a franchise or more than one franchise for everybody listening. The question is, which one? And that's where I come in. I come in with the how. People always wonder and they get stuck. How do I do this? Well, I'll give you the how. I like that. We're going to talk more about that. We're talking about own your business, or should I say own your own business with Lance Grolick. And you can find him at lancegrolick.com. It's L-A-N-C-E-G-R-A-U-L-I-C-H.com. Lancegrolick.com. Check it out. You'll find out all about it. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Own your business with Lance Grolick. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Hey, are you selling a little? Or a lot? I wanted to bring to your attention that Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Couple points here. It's the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. Check this out. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify's there to help you grow. So whether it's scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, they help you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, they got you covered. And it helps turn your browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout, 36 times better on average compared to the other leading commerce platforms. And that means you can sell more with less effort thanks to your AI-powered all-star. You know, I've mentioned this already, they power 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S., and that makes them a global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, Brooklinen, and literally millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across the world. And their award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Tony, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Tony now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyD'Urso.com. Now, back to The Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Own Your Business with Lance Grolick. 
And just a quick thank you that I sincerely appreciate you listening to my weekly shows with today's lead entrepreneurs. And if you like this show, would you hop on over to Apple Podcasts and give a cool review? Just look up the Tony D'Urso Show and drop a kind one. I thank you so much for listening. And now, back to the chat with Lance. Lance, let's kind of dive into your vision path here. I've mentioned this a few times. We're entrepreneurs. We love to establish businesses. We are business owners. We love to grow really nicely. So help us learn. And, and I just mentioned that again, so that you're not really preaching too much to the, to the choir. But so let's start here. You told me earlier, 65% of Americans would like to be their own boss. What's your advice for those people on how to go about that? Yeah. And, and I've seen surveys that say as high as 65%, 70%. I've seen surveys that are lower. I mean, if there's 350 million people in the country, even if it was 50 million people at a time looking to be their own boss, most people get stuck because they get stuck with information overload. They start doing Google searches today, all this wonderful technology, and has you stuck in pages and pages of information. Should I do a something in multi-level marketing. That seems affordable. Is that right for me? I can start that as a side hustle. I can keep my day job. Maybe I should start my own business. What should I start? How do I do it? Do I buy an existing business? That seems more logical. You know, why wouldn't I do that? I get the idea that somebody picked a good location or a UPS store, for example, or a restaurant. And, and I can make it better, but I can make a deal. Maybe I can get seller financing. The reality is, the reality is a, a franchise, when you find the right one, I think you're going to get the best value. You're going to get the ultimate value because there are many, many factors to franchising and not to preach, but a lot of people don't understand that franchising is really not as mysterious as most people think. There is a franchise disclosure document. Franchising is regulated by the federal government, the Federal Trade Commission. The FDD, the disclosure document, has 23 items. Item number 19 is my favorite. It's an earnings claim. Brands will put, for example, one-hour heating and air conditioning. Last time I looked at this, a great essential business. The top 25% of franchisees are doing $9 million in revenue. It's a $150,000 investment. That's it. Do the math, even if you only make 10%. I'm sure you'll make a lot more than 10%, but I'll take those, those odds, if you will. The, the, the issue really, Tony, is people get stuck on, well, is the brand going to be successful? No, I'm going to show you brands that are successful. The unknown commodity is you. How are you going to do with this business? If you pick the best personal trainer in the world and the best dietitian, and you want to lose weight, are you going to lose weight? Of course you are if you do the work. It's the same thing in franchising. Why do people not lose weight? They don't do the work. It's too hard. And that's sadly uh, a very visible um, thing that we see in the U.S. You know, we, we know that the obesity is a big deal. But there's a lot of people that can't be their own boss because they won't put in the work. But I'm here to help people. I just got a lady, a franchise, took almost three years. I had to work on mindset for the first six months. So she understood what she was capable of. 
Most people get stuck because their mind is not in the right spot. They've been told their whole life, play it safe, get a job, be a W-2 employee. You know, after my first phone call with most people, Tony, I know exactly what's going to happen to a large percentage of those people. They're going to get off the phone so excited that somebody gave them good information, looked them in the eye, especially if it's on a Zoom call like this, and gave them great information that they can do this. And I will be supportive even after they become a franchisee. What's the first thing they do when they get off the phone with me? They tell everybody they know that they just had this great call. They can be their own boss. Here are some of the things that might fit them, but those are things to be further discovered in the down this journey, in this journey. And their family and friends tell them, what are you nuts? What do you know about business ownership? You don't even have enough money. So I am there to be people's guides and a realistic guide to put them in the right direction with financing options, with a business attorney, with a franchise attorney, with a CPA that specializes in tax advice. Because when people keep their day job, they might have significant tax write-offs or tax benefits, especially if they're a high-income earner at the moment and they're investing in a business, right? Hey, Lance, because of the fact that you're speaking to the choir here, you're speaking to entrepreneurs and business owners, because of that, there's a big question. You probably know that question. The big question is, hey, I could go online right now and I can find business after business like crazy selling at good prices. I could find yeah. so many businesses. So why buy a franchise? Now, just yeah. a little disclaimer here. This is not an infomercial. I personally am not trying to sell anyone any way or not. I'm bringing you on as an elite entrepreneur who's really made success and a big difference here. And I'm just tearing this apart. Like, yes, why would I, why buy a franchise? Why not just buy an existing business? I mean, some, there's some deals going really, really cheap to use what I think is a bad word. Um, but there's a whole lot into it. So, so why, why is that important? You said really cheap. And I, I'm going to tell you that that is what equates to value to people. What is everybody looks at value, whether you're buying a Mercedes or you're buying a, an 85 Ford Escort, there's value to people based on their investment, based on their budget. Existing businesses can be fantastic. Here's the real issue, though. Many of them are something that somebody screwed up, that they're looking for a sale, they're looking to get out, maybe the lease is terrible, a million reasons, but most businesses that are out for sale, I don't think are worth much. They don't have the systems in place, and there's too much work for, you know, let's just say what it's for sale for, and you're never going to get the be a better price. Now, when it comes to, sometimes you're going to find amazing businesses for sale. $800,000, a very successful business. If you have that kind of money, you can get a loan potentially. It could be fantastic. But then you're on an island all by yourself. You are handling this business all on your own. And if you want to do that, absolutely, there are some great opportunities out there. Now, I have friends that are fixers and flippers of businesses, all kinds of businesses. And they do exactly what you were talking about. They are pros. 
but they're not limited by geography. They're going to look across the country. And that to me is a better strategy because then you're more likely to find things that fit within your formula. The formula today is let's find that boring business where there's still a fax machine that shows the owner that's owned it for 30 years hasn't updated much. And when I jump in and put the ultimate technology in place and polish this up, I should have an increase of sales increase of 30%. And I'm going to have instant equity when I move in, so to speak, because I'm going to put all these things in place. But it's hard to find those businesses. It's really hard to find. So when you jump into a franchise, sure, you pay a franchise fee. But when you pay a franchise fee, it's like when you jump into buying your own business, you might have to pay certain consultants that know more than you for advice. What do I do with this? Otherwise, you're truly by yourself with your staff. So a franchise gives you a deep bench, a deep, I love team sports analogies. You have a deep bench with a franchise. You have the leadership team, executive team. You have existing successful franchisees. At Wingstop, I was president of the Franchise Advisory Council. Brand new franchisees would call me on a regular basis and say, hey, I'm having trouble with the schedule. You know, my sales are at this level. What do you think? Corporate's giving me this idea. Um, I was told to talk with you. It's a t- Franchising is a team sport, and you have nothing but help everywhere. On top of that, as brands evolve like Wingstop did when I was there, we added all kinds of things to the menu to help the food cost that was high because chicken wing prices were going through the roof. So you work together as a team. You have group purchasing programs where independent businesses have almost zero power. Zero power. I have franchise groups that are going to major corporations for meetings, Fortune 100 companies that are their suppliers saying, do you know who we are? We're going to be the biggest roofing franchise in the company. This is the deal that we want from you to supply all of our franchisees. So there's a lot of benefits We don't have that much time to go through it all here, but there's a lot of benefits to a franchise. And at the end of the day, this is the best summation I can give you. The average air conditioning independent person in America probably does, I don't know, seven, 800,000 in revenue a year. Maybe the average franchisee at one hour heating and air conditioning does three and a half million. Is it okay to pay a a small royalty to start and get all that knowledge and the keys to the kingdom and then pay an ongoing royalty for them to support you for the rest of your life? So you have somebody in your corner for marketing, for everything for that matter, parts and supplies and all of the know-how so you can go on vacation as much as you want when you have a great team in place. So Those are some good points. It's compelling. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Own your business with Lance Grolick. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa. 
Play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. You're listening to The Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDierso.com. Now, back to The Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on The Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Own Your Business with Lance Grolick. And you can check out my Elite Entrepreneur interviews on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or you can find and listen to just about every interview I ever recorded at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. And I do mean all seven years of interviews are found on the Master Archives at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. You know, just the other day I was in Apple Podcasts and my entire catalog of Revenue Chat radio shows, which span several years, they're gone. I don't know what happened. I don't know how. If you can figure it out, that'd be great. So there's one place now where you can find all the shows. That's at TonyDurso.com slash podcast. And behind the scenes, we're doing some tech stuff to kind of make it easier for you. So bear with us while we take care of that. And I appreciate you listening. Okay, enough said. Let's get back to the chat with Lance. And I wonder, as you're saying that, I'm thinking, okay, well, what would be some of the best uh, investments, let's call it investments, franchises, businesses to get into? And how do you come up with it that this is better than that or this is good? What's your criteria, your benchmark on that? Tony, ask such good questions. No wonder you're so popular. Thank you. So the reality is this. I look at essential businesses. I treat everybody that I like they're my brother or sister. I look at essential businesses. We just went through a pandemic and we learned very quickly what really is essential. You need to get your car fixed. You need to hold on to your car even longer and you want to fix it up. People want to get a ceramic coating or something like that on the outside of their car of a brand called Tint World. Not only do they do tint, all kinds of other services. Tint World, let me tell you something. The average, the top 50% of franchisees do a cash flow have a cash flow of 400,000 plus on a $320,000 investment or so. Come on. It's incredible. So essential businesses, air conditioning, um, spray foam insulation. Everybody's talking about going green. What's the easiest way to go green in your own house? Make sure your insulation's right. So you're not losing heat or air conditioning. So spray foam related franchises like iPhone and spray foam, foam genie, are killing it. Koala insulation. So those are three insulation franchises that are hot. Um, home care. Unfortunately, my mom passed not too long ago. My dad passed three years ago. We called home care franchises. My uncle needed a home care, non-medical home care. And we can talk about that briefly. Non-medical home care. My uncle had dementia. My aunt hired home care franchises round the clock 24-7 for over two years to help support her. People don't want to go to an assisted living facility. They would rather be in their home most of the time. And these home care franchises, I have many great ones. Let me tell you a funny story. Validation. When, when I was mentioning earlier, the franchise disclosure document, 
The other part where it has an earnings claim, the other part of the process where you learn, you unravel the mystery, so to speak, so you get an opportunity in any great process with a brand, with a franchisor to talk to existing franchisees. And I had a gentleman that spoke to a neighboring franchisee and where his future territory would be. He hadn't signed yet. And he was doing validation, talking to existing franchisees to make sure they like what's going on. Those franchisees are not bound by a disclosure document. They can tell you how they feel. I've had somebody say, run away from this brand. Don't do this brand. Do something else. They screwed me over on something. Happened a long time ago. It doesn't happen often like that. But my, my candidate found out that this gentleman said, I did $4 million on a $150,000 investment in a non-medical home care franchise. They do medical as well, but he was focusing only on non-medical. And he, his net was a million dollars. So my candidate called me all excited. And I said, well, that isn't going to be the norm. I bring people back to normal too. <laughs> Down to earth. I set realistic expectations. But it turned out he happened to talk to an incredibly successful franchisee. But validation tells people a, a lot. So home care is hot. Another one, uh, let's talk about consulting. I have a brand called Schooly Mitchell. Dennis Schooley's a CPA. He used to help his clients increase their profitability by negotiating common vendor contracts from telecom to waste and uh, recycling contracts and uh, data storage. And there's all kinds of different things that small to medium-sized businesses use. Uh, I have a friend, Adam, that I interviewed on my podcast who is killing it with this franchise. There's franchisees on a $68,000 investment are making three, four, five hundred thousand a year. I know of franchisees that net a million dollars a year with this franchise on a $68,000 investment. It's not uncommon. Many people have sold for, sold their businesses for a million and a half dollars plus. I think the record now is three and a half million to someone in Canada, and that was in US dollars. So Schooley Mitchell's another one. Medical franchises, QC Kinetics, old fraternity brother just did this deal. QC Kinetics is a non-medical, non-medical, non-surgical franchise where they use your own uh, stem cells to help your knees or shoulders or whatever body parts, stem cells and other related stuff. It's a hot franchise. I happen to find an existing business in North Carolina for a fraternity brother and his business partner. And they're doing a, they did a seven unit deal with that. But so medical related franchises are, are very hot. Those are just to name a few. But if you think of essential businesses where, you know, everybody's going to want to get their knee done, if they have to have knee surgery, everybody seems to be looking at alternatives to that before you go under the knife. So what are the things that we need to have a great life or, you know, feel good about ourselves and certainly keep our house cold in the summertime? Hot in the wintertime, you're going you're gonna to call for AC, that's for sure. Lance, my mind is filled with questions, and I think I should have asked this at the very beginning. Uh-oh. But it's okay, because we're, we're covering different facets of this. I mean, I'm thinking of how, it's, how things have changed over time. Way back when, 20, 30 years ago, whatever it was, you'd put in a million dollars into a McDonald's. 
if you had a million dollars, this is like, you know, a, a little dream for some people. You'd go to their school and their university and they train you for six months or whatever. And I could have <laughs> it all wrong, but I'm just giving you the concept. It was a whole different landscape. It was a whole different modus operandi on how things work. Today, it's it's all different. You just, it, for, for most of these franchises, they have their, you're buying into a system, as I understand, and you're, gonna, yes. you're the expert, you're going to tell us, it's turnkey. You're trained, you're taught, you know where to get your supplies, you know how to do your legal, you know how to do your managing. All these points are in place, which makes it so compelling as opposed to that earlier question of why not just buy an existing business? Yes. So so you kind of have, um, uh, I've kind of uh, put a little little dots here. Maybe you can connect the dots now on some of these points just to kind of fill that in a little. Yeah. Systems, systems, systems. It's amazing how technology has really changed franchising. When I mentioned Dennis Schooley, the founder of Schooley Mitchell, they, they call it their warehouse, their back office suite, if you will, that they give you access to. I can't imagine 25 years ago trying to do those types of things without that. In fact, Schooley Mitchell didn't exist at that time, more than likely because they didn't have that type of technology. So technology has brought about a lot of franchises that on an individual basis are very hard to compete with. But franchising is also really created. I mean, I have many friends, as you can imagine, because of my experience that own restaurant franchises. And I have a friend that called me not too long ago and said, hey, I just bought a couple of existing restaurants that came up for sale for the same one of the brands he's part of. He's part of several brands. And he said, yeah, I, I just bought two in Indiana. I said, Indiana? You don't even have any other businesses in Indiana. And he laughed and he goes, well, you know, I know the business inside and out. So with appropriate surveillance cameras, keystrokes on the point of sale system where you can monitor voids. And all these different things, uh, learning management systems to train staff. There, there's so much technology in place, Tony, that he can operate in any other state, a brand that he already knows, um, because he, he has people in place and he knows the business. So technology has brought about just so much more. Most, well, all major brands have some sort of learning management system. Independent businesses aren't necessarily doing that. Whatever you can do. I mean, McDonald's has done these time motion studies. You know, if we could save a couple of hours of training time by allowing people to train on their phone, you know, everything saves time. How do we get people trained more quickly? Um, there's an old saying. Um, some of the audience certainly has heard this before. because a lot of people don't want to invest the money in training. And people always say, well, what if I invest all this money in people to and people and train them and they leave? Of course, you know the punchline. What if you don't train them and they stay? So franchising has created some amazing training programs, and it's all based on their investment in technologies. I've had companies that invested millions of dollars in technology, and they share that knowledge, obviously with the franchisees, because at the end of the day, in any great franchise or franchisee relationship, it's all about, if I can help a franchisee improve sales, instead of 3% this year, 5%, what does that mean for me, the franchisor? 
across hundreds of locations. Pretty impressive. That makes good sense. And, and I see how technology has really made the availability of getting a business so much easier. All right. And yes, let me, let me technology add- it's so changed. This is the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Just ahead, the chat continues. Own your business with Lance Grolick. But first, it's time for us to take a short break. See you back here in just a moment. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You're listening to the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. We'd love to hear from you via email. Be sure to send questions and comments to Tony at TonyDierso.com. Now, back to the Tony D'Urso Show. All right, we're back on the Tony D'Urso Show, where you can learn from the wisdom and success of others to help you move on your vision path. Today's show is Own Your Business with Lance Grolick. And if you like this show so far, please remember our sponsor who made it possible. Shopify makes it easy peasy for you to sell your products and services. And it's why 10% of e-commerce users in the U.S. love Shopify too. You'll make a note and do that right after listening to this interview, won't you? Thanks so much. And now back to the chat with Lance. Let me add one other thing that's one of my favorite things, real estate. Brands are putting in, you could put in your most successful locations. I mentioned Tint World earlier. They can, they can take their top 10 locations, put their addresses into a program, various different programs out there that they subscribe to, and determine based on those 10 highest volume stores in the United States, they can predict within a certain percentage you know, of error where future stores should be in every major market in America. Absolutely astounding. I thank you so much for coming on the show, giving us all this information. Again, I'm not trying to sell anything, but it's really changed my mind, my focus on achieving success on a more rapid rate by getting into something that's already proven. I mean, this is amazing. Once again, we spoke about own your business with Lance Grolick, and you can find him at lancegrolick.com. Lance, thank you so much for sharing with us today. Absolutely loved it. Thank you. Tony, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. And here's an insider's brief about an honest and truthful account about a blue collar kid who learned how to succeed, be happy, and get rich at the same time. And he wrote a great book about it. You're going to love the title, Success and Self-Discovery. With us is Stephen M. Strom, whose list of accomplishments is, well, it's extreme. You know, when I grow up, I certainly would love to follow in his footsteps. Hi, Stephen. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Tony. It's nice to be with you. The honor is mine. And, you know, I spent many years in the corporate world as well. And I'm curious right off the bat, because I think it'll lead into your, your, your incredible book, what made you go into business for yourself and be an entrepreneur and leave the cushy corporate world? Well, 
um, I'm fundamentally unemployable. And that, that, what that means is I can't work for anybody else. Um, I had a tremendous success um, in the corporate world early on, but I was equally impatient. And um, I had an experience uh, working for Fireman's Fund American Life Insurance Company where I, I took over sales territory that was 49th out of 50 in the company. Um, within three months, I outproduced my predecessor's entire previous year, brought it up to third place, and my boss called me into his office. I figured, geez, I'm going to get a stroke, maybe even a raise. What happened was he said to me, Steve, you know, in life, some people are uh, people. Uh, some people need steak to be happy, and others are just happy with pork and beans. He said, around here, we're just happy with pork and beans. Do you get what I mean? Uh-oh. Which blew me away. So frankly, I, I mean, I was just mystified. How can a sales manager uh, stop a guy from producing? And, you know, I was only 25 years old. So I went back to, I, I was just totally disappointed. And I took basically the next four weeks off. I worked a little in the morning. Then I'd go down to the Marina Green. I'd jog around San Francisco. Four weeks later, I get called into an appointment at the home office. And the VP at brokerage says to me, congratulations, you're leading the company in sales. I said, shame on you. I haven't worked in four weeks, and I'm leading your company in sales. So he whispered, come into my office and talk. So anyway, long story short, somebody heard a fellow named Mike Gerber heard about me. He had a company, contacted me, and offered me a position. And it was a straight commission position. That was my first entry into entrepreneurship. And uh, making that decision was tough um, because, you know, I had a pretty good cushy job in the corporate world and so on and so forth. So anyway, I worked with Mike for about six months, worked my tail off. I mean, it was literally from six in the morning till midnight, um, barely took time to eat. I was smoking like a fiend. But we were just making stuff happen. And in uh, July of 76, my wife and I took uh, a trip back home to Massachusetts for the bicentennial. And I was really burnt out, but I, the rest did me good. I was here. I was home a week. My wife was home for two weeks. I got back to California. I got a call from Mike that said, hey, meet me at the airport. We got a gig in Los Angeles. I get down to L.A. with him and we're talking to the clients and everything's cool. And on the way back, he says to me, Steve, we, we want you to start another business with us. And I said, Mike, that wasn't wasn't our agreement. But again, I was one third partner by this point. After I started making a lot of commissions early on, naturally, they put me on a salary. It was a terrific salary. This was uh, the average annual salary back in those days was about 11000 a year. I was making 36000 as a 25-year-old kid with a company car and blah, blah, blah. Any rate, it was like a punch in the gut. I was I was out of work. I I, I wasn't going to start another business with them. That wasn't our agreement. Didn't have the energy. So I got a book entitled "Where Do I Go From Here with My Life." I sat down, and that was scary too because I was committed to whatever the answer was. And long story short, my wife and I decided to move back home to Boston. We had been in San Francisco for two years. I came home and I had a couple of interviews. The first interview I had was a company called American Career Planning Services. Great guy named Walt Cameron. He loved me, but he wouldn't hire me because I didn't really have the experience in, in, the, in the world corporate worldview. But I knew I could do it because I had done it. So anyway, I said to him at the conclusion of our meeting, I said, Walt, if I, he said, what are you going to do? I said, I'm going to start my own business. And frankly, I had started 
playing around at the San Francisco Public Library doing some prospecting before I even moved home. And um, so uh, I said to Walt at the conclusion of our meeting, I said, if I start this business, may I come back and see you? And he said, yes. So that was the beginning of it. I put $300 in the bank, which in today's dollars is about $1,500. I got a, developed a logo, letterhead, business cards, hired a salesman, called Walt back, made an appointment. It was a Friday at 110 at the Prudential Tower in Boston. I had my wife call me at 115 to break me out of the meeting and make me appear important. And long story short, Walt, uh, you know, I went on with the, my presentation explaining what publicity was and what it could do for him and so forth. And uh, he said to me, look, look, I'm not General Electric. I, 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 have, I don't have that kind of money. for. I've already spent 40000 on advertising. Back in those days, I said, listen, you can't afford not to spend another $395. That was my clothes. I walked out with a check for $395. My uh, a salesman and I was so excited, went to the elevator. We needed a bathroom so badly. I hit 38, got off on the 38th floor, came out of the restroom, and there was a, uh, an office that said uh, uh, there was a, an advertisement for a directory of manufacturers in New England. So I went in, spent 15 bucks, bought a directory of manufacturers. We started cold calling. And that first year, we did 160000 in business. Our second year, we did three sixty, And that gave me a profit in today's dollars of over half a million bucks. And I was on my way. Stephen, I was right when I said at the introduction that when I grow up, I want to be like you. That's an absolutely amazing to do back then at your age, that kind of money. I'm just absolutely astounded. And you've just had this runaway success on your business. And I'm wondering, is it though that's what you put in this book, how to how to do this? Like what is that what made you write your book called Success and Self-Discovery and and put that information and how to in the book? Well, the, there is a quite a bit of how-to in the book, but it's a very integrated story. Um, the working title for years was Blue Collar Entrepreneur. But when I decided to really publish, uh, that didn't have the right connotation. What happened was I be when I became very successful early, I was only 28, 29 years old. And uh, again, 10, full, 11 full-time employees going like hell, running, running. People, you know what happens, early success, everybody wants a piece of you. I had a big eight accounting firm. They were charging me next to nothing. Thought I was going to be the next uh, God knows what. So, but I would... Rather than becoming elated by this success, I became depressed. And when I say depressed, I was seeing a therapist three days a week just to maintain my sanity. And I got depressed, and it had a lot to do with family activities and, and things from my childhood. And so I had to get into it, and that's the self-discovery part. So even though I was on autopilot and having success and I could sell anything to anybody, I wasn't happy. So it took you know, and, and the book, the story I get, I get into how I ironed and figured all that out, how I ironed it out and the changes I had to make personally and professionally to main, you know, keep my company going. And the great irony is that as I, every time I made a change to make myself happier, I made more money. I made more money because I was, I was working for myself, not for my mother and father or other people, you know. And uh, it's, it's just been a fabulous ride. My first entry into my journal about this book was in 1983. 
And it only took me 40 years to get to doing it. And you know, about a year and a half ago, I said to myself, you know, you've been wanting to write this book for a long time. Get on it. And I did. And I'm very, very proud. And I've had tremendous feedback because it's not only a book about, quote, success. But the real success is integrating, a, a, a being totally happy. I was successful in business and uh, become financially independent. I'm pleased about that. The story gets into all the, you know, my mission initially was like any other young guy. You know, you want to be top of the world. You want to build a huge company and this and that. I got involved in politics. I was a small business advisor to the governor of Massachusetts. I went to South Korea as an ambassador for the International Rotary Foundation. And all these wonderful, wonderful things happening. And I had some great uh, experiences. I had one. But, but the book is also, it's about values clarification. What's right for you? You know, and what I had to learn what was right for me. And so often in life, we perform for other people, you know, um, and that's that's part of the big part of the story. Stephen, we're entrepreneurs, we're business owners here in the audience. We've got a lot on our plate, but we of course want to expand our business. We want to be more successful. We want to make it to the next level. And people listening are probably thinking, "What can this book do for me? What can I get from reading your book?" So let me just ask it just like that. What do you, what can we get from reading this book? But you can actually the book can change your life because there's a number of things in it. You can learn conflict resolution. Um, had con conflicts with my family. You can learn about resolving issues with employees, and more importantly, you can you can learn that the entrepreneurial road is full of bumps, crevices, potholes, twists, turns, things that you can't imagine. And I mentioned previously, I, I went to, to Korea as an ambassador. And six weeks, uh, I was gone out of the, actually out of my business for eight weeks. And I had a terrific, terrific assistant who ran the company while I was gone. But my key man came to me the night before I left and cried, literally cried on my shoulders, gave me a kiss and said, don't worry about a thing. My mother will take care of your babysit for your son. My wife will help your wife and I will look out for your business. And when I got back eight weeks later, I got a call from a client that said, hey, What's Charlie doing? He's, he just called me up and told me he can do the work for half price because he knows all your costs now. So I was totally, oh no, totally betrayed by this guy. And that threw me for a loop. And uh, I had to learn how to cope with that. But betrayal is not an uncommon thing in entrepreneurship. As you know, you've talked to a number of people about it. So that was part of it. But with respect, so with respect to resolving conflicts, uh, understanding who you are and coming up uh, coming up with information that makes sense to you is a big part of the book. But I also get into specific how-tos, how to build a sales presentation, how to create a sales presentation, how to manage a territory, how to take care of how to take advantage of free publicity. This is what I've done for my clients for 46 years. And I'm working with the same clients now for 46 years. I've only kept a dozen of them. But these are people that I've known my, my entire adult life. So what people I hope will get out of the book is inspiration. First of all, inspiration, entertainment. I've been told it's I had a client call me and say, hey, you ruined my Saturday. I bought your book and I can't put it down. OK, <laughs> so uh, I've heard that quite a bit. So it's entertaining. It's a page turner. It's 300 pages. It's got a lot of information in it. Um, and uh, it also has a chapter about entrepreneurship and why entrepreneurship is so critical to America. 
Um, and uh, I've studied it quite a bit. And so I think people will be inspired by the book. And I think they will also learn a great deal about how to um, really be in touch with what you want personally and how to how to have a more joyful, productive uh, life. And get rich at the same time. I had a business broker, a famous business broker, come into my office. He sold the Harvard Coop here in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Really knew his stuff. And after our meeting and after I gave him all the numbers and we sat down, he took them back and analyzed them. He came back to me and said, Steve, let's go to lunch. you got the best one-man business I've ever seen. <laughs> Stephen, where can we find more? And also, I'm curious the answer to that question. Why are entrepreneurs so important? Why do you say that? I say that because entrepreneurship is really, it's, it's freedom. It's the, you know, most entrepreneurs, um, the blue collar entrepreneur is a different story. He's the, the, he or she is the fellow I'm talking to. The other people that, that get up and they go into business, they go into business uh, almost defensively. I had a guy, for example, one of my. I, I know you had that call on purpose to make you look important. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. It's, it's an old trick, Tony. Uh, I had a client uh, that got, got fired from a company and uh, the, one, of his, uh, one of his customers liked what he did, bought him a machine, put the machine in his garage. Long story short, he's got 100 machines now and a fabulous machine shop. So a lot of people get into entrepreneurship because they, they, they have to. They don't have a plan B. It's a survival situation. It's not like the white collar guy that, that uh, you know, raises $10 million and still takes down a, you know, a $300,000 salary while he's building his business. Entrepreneurs and small business people make up it used to be in 1977, they made up 92% of all, they created 92% of all jobs. Today, it's 64%. And if it keeps eroding like that, we won't have the same country. Um, America is about freedom and free enterprise and, and capitalism drives the market. So the more regulations we have, I'm afraid uh, the, few, the less people will be inclined to go into business for themselves and to create things. And I just talked in my final chapter about three entrepreneurs and what they've done. Jeff Bezos, he's created a million six hundred thousand jobs, starting from his garage. Uh, Bill Gates has created, uh, I think, well over half a million jobs. Um, and, and look what they're doing philanthropically. Um, uh, the fellow from Home Depot, Langone, he's, now you can go to New York uh, NYU Medical School free because he's financing it. So entrepreneurs make things happen in this country. And... Um, it's that's why I love entrepreneurship. It's freedom. I, in fact, I bought a T-shirt. I, I created a T-shirt called Celebrate Entrepreneurship. And that's what we need to do. Entrepreneurship's freedom. I love it. And where can we find out more, Stephen? Go to your website? You can go to the website, which is smstrom, S-T-R-O-U-M, uh, dot com, or go right to amazon.com and put in success and self-discovery and uh, and read about it. You get a sample of the book there. So that's the best thing to do. Go to Amazon. And you get to read a few pages. Uh, you get to read about my background and um, hopefully choose to buy the book and become very successful. Well, it sounds very entertaining and instructive both. So I love I love books like that. It's a good read, but it's not like boring because you're, you're getting anecdotes, you're getting good stories, you're getting good lessons and stuff like that. I'm looking forward to checking more more into it myself, if I said that right grammatically. 
And I want to thank you so much for being on uh, Insider's Brief with us. I really appreciate your your coming on and telling us about it. Thank you so much, Stephen. Tony, it's a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. Hey, thanks for hanging out with me while I featured an elite entrepreneur who took his vision to reality. We spoke about owning your business with Lance Grolick. We talked about some very fascinating points. I'm very excited about it. We talked about the percentage of Americans that would really like to be their own boss. I know you like to be your own boss. You probably are your own boss. But how can you go about owning a business turnkey? And again, I'm not trying to sell anything. It was just a great point. I loved it. We discussed the difference between buying an existing business, of which there are many out there, and between that and buying a franchise where you get all the help, all the support, and your chances, your odds, let's call it, of being successful and being in a profitable situation, I believe, are much, much higher. We talked about what are some of the best or better business investments today. How does he come up with this information? We talked about the landscape of buying businesses, how things have changed. A very, very small conversation on how technology has made it easier to own businesses and be successful, be profitable. We talked about Do you need to know about the business? Is this something you need to love to be passionate about or not, or just money smart, business savvy to get into something, provide a good service or product, and make a good profit? We also talked about the ease to get financed. I was surprised at that. That's really something. We talked about a number of points, so let me ask you this, please. What hit home with you about this? What resonated with you? Let me know. And please, this is very important. Your friends are going to thank you. Please share this with a few friends to help them too, all right? Let's use this and let's help you move on your journey to success. Thanks for remember, just take action. Success awaits those who persevere and remain steadfast despite the odds. Sow good seeds, do good deeds, and join me on the next episode of The Tony D'Erso Show. And here's an insider's brief about being water-wise. Now, the world is mostly water, and like air, it's one of the most abundant resources we have. It never runs out. But that doesn't mean we should be wasteful. For example, in California, most urban water use happens while watering outdoor landscapes. And saving water doesn't mean giving up on a beautiful yard. I've seen many beautiful yards here, and it's just a matter of proper and smart water conservation. Well, master gardener and conservation expert Chris Sarbia joins us today from the Long Beach Community Foundation Garden to share all the ways that we can prepare for autumn and conserve water with a water-wise landscape. Hi, Chris. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Chris, it's my, my pleasure. And it's such an interesting topic. I see water conservation over the years, just about everywhere, and I see the most beautiful gardens. So let's start here with just some of the basics. What is water-wise landscape, and what are the benefits to having one? Right, so a water-wise landscape is basically a, a, a yard or a garden or an open space around your home where you plant low water use plants or California native plants, trees, shrubs, flowers. Um, and basically these are plants that are planted to conserve water. Uh, these plants are all low maintenance. 
And not only are they low maintenance, but they, they provide a uh, habitat value for pollinators, for beneficial insects, all our bees and butterflies, they benefit from these gardens. Uh, and so, you know, you're, you're not only saving time, energy, but you're uh, helping out the environment. You're helping it thrive. I got you. Now, historically, Autumn is the time of year that we harvest our crops, we, we celebrate our abundance of what's grown, and we can, we bottle foods to last the winter and so forth. And it's also an important time of year to replant. Why is that? That's right. Uh, we recommend uh, that, you know, as uh, the heat's behind us, the summer's gone, it's cooling down, we like to come out. Um, we recommend that people start to replant or transform their yard now. Uh, our California native plants and our low water use plants benefit from this time of year because it's not too hot and we're not in the winter yet, so it's not too cold. And so they start to grow their roots out. They start to really, you know, take shape um, and take advantage of the rains that we do get. We get a couple rains that uh, are basically free water. And that's, you know, what these plants are adapted to is these rain patterns. Um, and so... Fall is really the best time to plant your low water use plants, your California native plants, and take advantage of, of this time of year where it's cooler. I got you. Now we're talking about plants and not that I'm any particular expert on this, but in terms of growing food or crops or edibles or fruit trees, et cetera, it's herbs, spices, and so forth. Would that be, isn't that the time of year? Isn't spring the time of year where we plant such items or should these, as well as we're talking about plants and flowers, but and I'm also talking about foodstuffs, perhaps two different types of topic. So I'm curious, is spring still a good time to plant uh, to plant food? For these low water use plants and California native plants, the fall is the best time. But you're right. Some of these edible fruits uh, and vegetables, uh, maybe tomatoes and, and some other vegetables, the spring is the best time, right? Because it is a flowering season. And, you know, our flowers turn into vegetables and fruits. So you can, you can kind of find a balance, uh, like we do in this garden where we have vegetables growing. Uh, we also have native plants growing and we can find a balance and plant all of these things. So, you know, not just food for us, but food for the, the wildlife and planting year round and taking, you know, planning into consideration of what goes when, or sorry, what goes where and when is, is a great way to, uh, you know, start to uh, get a green thumb and, and learn as we uh, as we plant plants. I got you. Now we have plants or I'm talking anything that grows. So forgive me, my nomenclature is not necessarily perfect on this. We have we have plants that grow one time or flowers that grow one time and then they die. They have to be pulled out and replanted. And then we have, I guess that they're called perennials. They They just keep flowering. They keep flowering. They keep flowering. Should we go towards plants and flowers that just keep replenishing on their own? Uh, or is there a balance to this? Can you comment on, on some of this and, and what we should look for? That's a, that's a great point. You know, uh, these low water use landscapes, they're not only the, the annuals you mentioned or perennials you mentioned, they're both. There is a balance. Uh, California poppies are state flower. Uh, that's an annual, but what it does is it, you know, spreads a bunch of seed every year and then you have a hundred plants the next year. And so you can find a balance and still be low water use and, uh, and, and still maintain a beautiful yard that, uh, you know, conserves water, provides habitat for, for all our pollinators. And then it's low, uh, maintenance for you. 
So I would say both. You want to plant a little bit of, of annuals and, and plenty of perennials. But the important thing is to plan, right? Some of these perennials might get big. Uh, some of them uh, stay small. Um, and so you want to take you know, those things into consideration uh, when starting to plan is what are you going to plant and, and where is it going to go? Um, is it an annual or perennial? And so at saveourwater.com, we have a lot of information on which plants are appropriate for which area. Um, and also what, you know, what may do well in a shady spot versus a, a sunny spot. So all these things you got to take into consideration, but really we just talked about it. It's not a lot to take into consideration. It's an easy uh, thing to learn. And that's why we're here to, to share this message with everyone. I really appreciate that. These are some good points. And I'm thinking now, what, what would be the biggest mistake or mistakes that we should avoid, especially for some of us who aren't necessarily natural gardeners? Uh, the biggest mistake is overwatering. Um, you know, we're talking about low water use plants. And so we want to cut that water use down. Uh, a lot of these, uh, low water use plants or California native plants use maybe 50% less water. That's a, that's a typical amount. And so you want to cut your water use by 50% at least, um, because it could be detrimental if you overwater your plants, but also wasteful. This is water that those plants don't need. So why would you waste water? Uh, when we're trying to conserve water throughout California. And so, uh, you know, just, just taking that into consideration, um, when, when planning and understanding, uh, you know, what these plants, uh, water needs are. So you can go to a website like calscape.org that tells you exactly what your plant water needs are. And then you can, you know, really start to adjust your watering and, and start to, uh, really conserve water and your time as well. I appreciate that. And any tips on knowing what to plant? We talked a little bit about annuals, perennials, but what to plant, where to plant, any anything, because aesthetics is all part of it, especially for our outdoor landscapes. It's great for home values, and it's just it's inviting when you see a beautiful landscape. It's inviting to do business or the homes or the neighborhood. So any advice you can give us on, on planting where, when, well, we know when is autumn uh, and uh, what what should be planted and, and any other tips you may be able to give us on that. Right. And so if you go to calscape.org, um, you type in your zip code and a list of plants that do well in your area uh, pops up. And, and it even tells you which nurseries you can purchase those plants at. And that's where the water needs are, uh, the sun needs. So, you you know, let's say you you can even filter by shady versus sunny depending on what, uh, what kind of yard you have, where you're facing, um, even your elevation. So it really gives you a refined list that's tailored to you to, to figure out what the best uh, plants are for your garden. And then I would add that the saveourwater.com website, we just added a rebate section that even gives you uh, all the rebates that are appropriate for your area that you can apply to your landscape. And this is, you know, it's a win-win, right? You're, you're learning about which plants are great for you, but there's a financial incentive and uh, the water agencies, the counties, the, the state is providing resources for you to transform your, your lawn to a garden, a low water use garden, so that we can all conserve water together. Those are some great points. Chris, thanks for coming on the show and talking to us about that. And I hope to see a lot more beautiful yards and landscapes out there as a result. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. Appreciate you. 
We hope you've enjoyed this week's edition of the Tony D'Urso Show with Tony D'Urso. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Now, go enjoy the weekend.